Welcome to Ottawa Valley Community Church, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. from verse 11 because now we've arrived at the house and we did we did sort of glaze over uh, the journey with Herod and we just really wanted to summarize that early part of the journey but we want to enter into some of the symbolism around the gifts it says this in verse 11 on coming to the house they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him then they opened their treasures and presented him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And we're remembering that in, in this book of Matthew that he is sort of taking us on a journey. He's almost using uh, the story of the wise men as a table of contents to lead us through uh, development of relationship with Jesus as we're going to see in the rest of uh, Matthew's book. But uh, the nature of our worship when we first uh, come to know uh, God is 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 a great sort of excitement over over who He is, over sometimes His power, over sometimes a sense of His Majesty. Um, that gift of gold that is given to Jesus first uh, through the Magi, um, and I think the order is always important in the in the book of of Matthew. That gift of gold that's given uh, to Him. Uh, Commentators and theologians agree that it's meant to symbolize uh, his kingship, his kingdom, uh, the godness uh, of him. And when we first come to faith in Jesus, I don't know if you remember what it was like for you, uh, but when I first came to faith in Jesus, there was something in me that was just uh, so excited because I could see him working inside me. I could see him transform me. I could see the kingship of Jesus uh, changing me as I as I learned to make decisions, learn to follow him. Uh, things in our lives uh, begin to change, and we celebrate that change that happens. For some of us, we experience miracles. Uh, we see all over the place in that sort of first a couple years of faith, almost a honeymoon of, of things happening in our lives that are uh, sort of transformative and things that seem like coincidences, but they just can't have been because uh, Jesus has done something in our lives. Uh, it's really his kingship coming in and his kingship taking over and transforming us as we surrender ourselves to him. And our worship in this time is, is often in, incredibly uh, excited and incredibly beautiful, and we find it uh, so easy in that honeymoon phase uh, to really uh, worship him and adore him and, and pour out our hearts for him. In the story of the Magi, uh, I think, and I don't think Matthew probably uh, intended us to go this deep. I don't know that Matthew uh, really knew exactly what the treasure was like. It's possible he had uh, Mary uh, describe it to him. But in, in the way that gold treasure came to the Magi, having come from Persia, I think we can see something beautiful there that speaks to that excitement of how we worship when we first uh, come to fall in love with Jesus. We first come to bow before him. Uh, often, I've wondered what that was like, right? Was, was the treasure nuggets? Um, and was it, uh, was it you know, coins? Was it ingots of gold? How, how was this gift of gold given to them? And so I just, I just looked a little bit at, the, at what that empire was like. Uh, the Parthian Empire ruled um, 
that area of Persia for 250 years roughly before the time of Christ to 250 years roughly after the time of Christ. And what we see in that is they had a unique attitude towards uh, gold and treasure. Uh, Every other nation around them, uh, like Rome and others, uh, took gold and they minted it into coin. But the the people of Persia felt like gold was too beautiful to be made into coins. And so coins have uh, Parthian coins from the time period, but all of them are silver. Uh, gold artifacts from the Parthian Empire in the time of Christ are all decoration. They're all uh, jewelry. They're all art. They're all adornment. And if you look at these uh, images on the screen, we see this beautiful golden cup from the Parthian Empire. And these little things which actually sort of look like coins to us, they're not coins. If you look close enough, you'd see they all have uh, decoration on them and they have little holes drilled in them and they're actually sewn into clothes as adornments. And what I think is beautiful about that, and I'm not sure that Matthew really intended us to go that deep, but when our worship of Jesus um, begins, it's really what we're due and what we're meant to do. We, we worship before the king, and we take the things that adorn us, the things that we think make us beautiful, the things that we are invested in to make us seem more important, and we lay those things at his feet. Imagine the the Magi uh, finding this child and and saying, hey, this is is someone beautiful. This is someone amazing. This is is really the king. Here, take this uh, vest that I have with these these gold uh, medallions sewn onto it. Let me take off my beauty and give it to you. Let us, in the same way, take uh, the things uh, that we think make us beautiful, the things that we think give us status in society, the things that are maybe our toys or maybe our status symbols, and say, hey, our status symbols mean nothing before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let our worship be an uncovering of ourselves, a taking off of our beautiful clothes, of a lowering of our standard, of, of living to uh, pour out beautiful gifts before Jesus of laying down our dignities remember when you were uh, just first a Christian and you'd first given your heart to Jesus uh, you were so excited um, it, was, it was almost easier to, to raise your hands in worship then because you were excited about who he was and now we're a little more conservative we're a little more stodgy we're a little more reserved <laughs> there's Jim. There's Jim. It's an opposite world over there. <laughs> but isn't there, isn't there a reality to that, that excitement? And then we just sort of dial it all back and we become, as we become more mature, we become a little more uh, conservative. I think that we're not meant to do that. I think as we progress from stage to stage of intimacy with Christ, we're meant to take the thing that we've grown in and then move on to the next, but, but take it with us. So for us, I hear God calling us uh, to live lives of extravagant worship, uh, Un, un, undressing ourselves and, and, and taking apart our dignity to worship him. I think there's something beautiful for us in that. When we come to worship his kingdom, him for his kingdom, uh, for his kingship, for his goodness and his glory and the wonderful things he's doing in our lives, will we undress ourselves? Will we lay down our dignities? Will we lay down our beauties? Will we sacrifice them for the king? Will we bring our gifts of gold to him? 
And then beyond that, that excitement, that initial excitement of faith, uh, you and I know that that goes deeper. And I think that what the, uh, the wise men uh, brought to Jesus in the frankincense is meant to be something that takes us deeper. Frankincense was a uh, uh, basically hardened sap or resin from a tree um, at the time. Uh, a tree that they would sort of harvest it from, and I think they're still alive, and I think that stuff still happens. Uh, but they would take that sort of uh, fragrant sap or fragrant resin, and it would be burnt as uh, something uh, used in worship. But the place where we see this in the scripture is the place where we see it in the Old Testament scriptures in, in Exodus 30, with the burning of incense uh, on something that is, was in the holy place, not the holy of holies, but in the holy place in the temple, just inside the into the holy of holies, called the altar of incense. And it was basically a, a box, probably a cubit by a cubit by a cubit, uh, with poles running through it. Um, and on it, it had uh, burning coals. And what they would do at the time, uh, when they would come to worship, uh, the priest would come in every morning and every night uh, to the altar, and he would bring with him uh, frankincense. He would bring with him uh, little pearls and scrapings of that resin, and they would place it on the hot coals that he'd brought in with him in the censer. And the smell of that burning resin would come and would rise up in the place of the temple as an offering before the Lord morning and night, and it says in Exodus 37 and 8, Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it. A regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. I think that frankincense represents for us uh, the deepening of faith that results in our daily disciplines. The deepening of faith that results in, hey, I'm not just going to worship when I'm excited about what he's done. I'm not just going to worship when the band is playing. I'm not just going to worship when I show up at church. I'm not just going to worship when I experience a miracle. I'm not just going to worship when I, when I have a little revelation of how great he is. He is great whether I'm having that revelation or not. He is great every morning. He is great every night. He is mighty every morning. He is mighty every night. And I will find myself every morning and every night on my knees worshiping before him and allowing the praises of God to rise up and the prayers to rise up. It's a deepening of trust in him, a deepening of intimacy with him that we're called to. The daily disciplines of worship and that's a next stage in our journey together. And so the question for us is, as we grow deeper in our faith, will we grow more consistent in our love for him? Will we learn to love him in the morning and the night, not just when the miracles happen? Will we learn to love the intimacy of his presence in the holy place, in our rooms and in our living rooms? Will we go deeper and know his love that way? And beyond meeting him in those exciting moments, beyond meeting him in that holy place, we know that he meets us in his sufferings. And he meets us in our sufferings. And that's the gift of myrrh. What a strange, strange gift to give a child. What a strange gift to give an infant in the little town of Bethlehem. To bring this little infant uh, refined oil, uh, again from a resin that is meant to be 
uh, something for embalming, something for the treatment of the dead. What a strange gift for a little baby. But we see in Jesus a child who was born to die. In that moment, whether the wise men knew it or not, they were foreshadowing a future. They were foreshadowing a suffering servant. This is the child who had a price on his head when he was born. And Herod ultimately came and killed all his contemporaries in that town. He was the man who had a price on his head, 30 pieces of silver. He was betrayed for in the last days of his life. He was a child who uh, was the son of man who had no place to lay his head. He was the one that the rulers and the chief priests had wanted to kill and murder. And for time he hid from them. For time he preached. For time he avoided that doom, that destiny. Not trying to avoid it, but trying to wait for the appointed time that his father had set for him. And he was the one who would be tried. He was the one who would be whipped. He was the one who would be mocked and who would be spit on. He would carry his cross on the road to Golgotha. He was the one who had soldiers gambling for his clothes. He was the one who had nails driven through his hands, who had a, a crown of thorns driven into his scalp and hung on the cross to die and taken down and buried. And in Mark 16, 1, after he had been buried, and the Sabbath was passed, it says this, uh, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go and anoint his body. And I've always wondered, did Mary contribute something to that? Maybe all of the myrrh that she received at his birth was sold to fund their escape to Egypt. Or maybe she kept some, we don't know. But in the same way that the wise men brought something for him to be embalmed to acknowledge his death, those who loved him in life brought something to acknowledge his death. And we see in that an incredible picture of intimacy. In 1 Peter 4.12, and there are many, many verses like this in the New Testament, it says cheery things like this. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange was happened to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you also may rejoice in his glories. That there is a rejoicing in Jesus that is the deepest intimacy of our lives to rejoice in him in our sufferings. To rejoice in who he was. To rejoice in the God who suffered for us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit born in a babe who lived a life, who died on the cross for our sins to come and to see that he has proven to us through the life he lived and the death he endured that he longs to be with you in the darkest moments of your life. And our deepest fellowship with Christ is found 
in those places. Our deepest fellowship with Christ is found when we allow him to enter into our brokenness and to enter into our pain. Because we see what he endured and we know that we can trust him with our pain. We know that when he enters it into, into it with us, we can see not only uh, a, a sense of presence, a sense of him being there, a sense of company, a sense of fellowship and suffering, but we can even somehow in the midst of pain find rejoicing. The deepest intimacy of our lives is found there. And so the question is, will you worship him also in that intimate place of knowing him as your suffering savior? Or do you just want the miracles and the glory? I know we all want that. Deliverance from our pain, deliverance from our suffering. But what Peter came to find and, and the disciples came to find was it was just as beautiful to experience his presence in the suffering as it was to experience deliverance from it. That those were the moments of intimacy, those were the moments of love, and there are so many uh, verses of this. And so for us, having taken the journey of the Magi from a glimmer on the horizon, through preparing for the journey, through going through our doubts and, and distractions of the life of Herod, through the excitement of kneeling at his feet and worshiping him as Lord, uh, through uh, the deepening of our faith, of finding uh, in him someone that we can meet in the quiet place, in the holy place, and now ultimately finding that the greatest depth of knowing and loving him is found as we allow him to enter into his suffering with us. Uh, we experience this most and we understand it most in worship when we come to the table together. We understand this most uh, in the communion service. And so that's what we're going to do together now in this moment. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Community Church, visit ovchurch.ca.